Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. He doesn't quietly ask for riches, wives, or anything else. He simply chooses wisdom. Now, as a result of this genuine declaration, God chooses to bless Solomon with incomparable riches on top. But the important principle for us as we consider this story of Solomon, as we consider Proverbs chapter 16, is that there's a choice. There is a choice. And we must choose between riches and wisdom. Then, after having read chapter 16, we then move into chapter 17, where the writer starts educating us about this, what this choice could look like. Chapter 17, verse 1 says this, Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. The theme of chapter 17 could well be entitled, Less is More. Less is More. We want wisdom over riches, great choice. But it is important for us to understand that the path to wisdom is one of less, not more. But, you know, the more that I think about this idea that less is more, I actually start thinking wisdom's pretty unappealing. I don't know about you. I mean, maybe there are some people more wise than me here and maybe you like the idea of less. But I don't. If I'm really honest, I want more. I would love to be driving to church every day in a Tesla. I would love to live in a penthouse apartment overlooking the harbour. That would be wonderful. I'll, I'll take more. If anyone's offering, I'm the first one to put my hand up. Wisdom is not knowledge so that I can become materially fat and build my own empire. Wisdom seeks the good of others. It seeks the good of community. It aims to build ourselves and others up. It seeks... Harmony and peace. Wisdom seeks harmonious teamwork and collective wins. Wisdom does not seek riches. I'm obviously not very wise. It seeks true life. With wisdom, we could highly possibly have less to show for ourselves, but... What the Proverbs teach us is that the life we live will be far more beautiful for ourselves and for those around us. It is a life of internal peace despite external external chaos. We can't currently do anything about world events. 
Well, absolutely we can. We can wash our hands. We can make sure that we're socially distancing. We can make sure that we stay safe. We can make sure that we don't uh, travel overseas. Those things we can do. But at the same time, I am not capable of saying coronavirus be gone and it's gone. There is external chaos in which we live in our current world. But what wisdom says is there is going to be external chaos everywhere. But if you choose wisdom, you can still have internal peace. I loved an application point that Braden, our youth pastor, made last week as he spoke. We need to read Proverbs not with the presupposed idea that the good applies to us and the bad doesn't, but by asking ourselves the genuine questions that are raised as we work our way through the wise Proverbs. In practice, have I chosen to pursue wisdom or riches? Is my house a house of peace or strife? If peaceful is not how I describe my home or life, am I going to humble myself and ask God for help, for wisdom? Do I count my blessings when I am eating my dry crust? Do I envy my neighbour who appears to be feasting? It is important for us not to just read the passage and say, oh, that's good, I like that. But to start saying, what are the questions that apply to me? You know, one of the things that I love about sermon prep and hate all at the same time is that I'm spending a whole week in this passage starting to look at it. And you know what? All the time, God is going, this is you. This is you. This is you. And man, there are some times when I really wish I wasn't a pastor. Because I'm asking myself these questions going, God, please give me a break. But they're important questions for us to ask. Am I genuinely choosing wisdom or riches? Having a good overview of our context in chapters 16 and 17, we now come to the passage, my favourite passage, Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. Let's read. It says this. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. What better way to illustrate this proverb than by looking at some real people? I've decided to start off with, with these first few, 
to remove the names because I'm not actually seeking to defame anyone. But these quotes are real quotes. The reporter said to the very famous NBA basketballer, did you visit the Parthenon during your trip to Greece? The NBA basketballer said, I can't remember the names of the clubs we went to. <laughs> or how about the music celebrity? I've never really wanted to go to Japan simply because I don't like eating fish and I know that's very popular over there in Africa. <laughs> or how about the reality TV star? No, no. I didn't go to England, I went to London. On a more serious note, how about the most recent presidential election in America? I took a note of one of the debates and there was little more than slagging off at each other. It looked more like two kids at school, in a schoolyard than a president and president-elect. Was there a whole lot of wisdom there? So, as we look at a whole bunch of unwise things, is this verse really trying to ask us to never speak again? No, that's not what it's trying to say. Because wise people still speak. The difference is that they use words with restraint. Their words are purposeful. They build people up. The words gather community and incite love and life. Let's consider these quotes. If you know who said them, please call out. Firstly, there are many ways of going forward, but only one way to stand still. Does anyone know that one? Franklin D. Roosevelt, 26th president of the USA. And I love this quote because the idea is very simply that we can sometimes find ourselves stuck. But what I love is this, it, it sort of portrays this, when you're stuck, just do something. Just move. There's movement. There's life. There's opportunity. As this is spoken. How about this one? The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Mark Twain, considered by some to be one of the most important literary contributors in the United States. Again, I love it because what is this trying to say? It's trying to say you were created with purpose. You are on this earth with meaning. You are not here to simply exist. You have reason. There is life for you. Go and find it. Take a hold of it. Bless some people along the way. How about this one? I really love this. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. I, what did you say? Mother Teresa, it's correct. Absolutely. Mother Teresa, Roman Catholic nun and missionary 
in Calcutta. What beautiful words. And I'll tell you what, as I was reading that in preparing this week, I thought, gee, that, that really speaks to me. It's so easy to judge other people. But if I'm judging them, how can I possibly love them? I thought that was great. And the final one, which I was surprised to find actually, but I thought it was fantastic. It says, the greatest wealth is to live content with little. Any ideas? I found this particularly fascinating because this was actually Plato. Athenian philosopher. The wise person carefully chooses their words. The wise person uses words to build up, to encourage, to inspire, to love, to discipline fairly, to build community. So how do we apply this? Well, we need to think before we speak. We must aim to think about how our words are building others up. When we feel anger rising in the midst of conflict, we should ask to take a break to process and to calm down. Speaking to myself there. Listen to others. Take in what is being said. Actively contemplate what is being communicated rather than being concerned about coming up with the next smart thing. Don't be a person who always needs to have your say. Be good with letting the other person have the last word. Proverbs 17, 27, 28 teaches us to think carefully about the words we use. It encourages us to speak slowly, to listen quickly. Have you ever found yourself talking with someone who can't get a word in edgewise? Doesn't feel like a conversation, does it? It doesn't feel like a relationship. It's not really an enjoyable experience. Have you ever been in conflict where you felt like your opinion just doesn't matter? I know that I can certainly think of conversations and situations that that describes. But again, I want to pull us back to the aim of Proverbs, which is not actually to see everyone else and what they are doing. The aim of Proverbs is to do an internal audit. The aim of Proverbs is for the listener or the reader to be saying, how does this apply to me? Do I talk so much that others can't? Am I always concerned about my own situation that I forget to ask how the other person is doing? Are the words that I use wise? When I speak, do people want to?
to listen? When I speak, do my words create community or do they pull people apart? And when I speak to people at work, are they inspired or do they feel like they are worthless? Am I intentional about building others up or do I use my mouth carelessly? I certainly have to answer yes to a number of the questions raised this morning. I could do better in listening and intently caring for others. I could certainly do better in taking, uh, taking a second to think before speaking out of anger. The beautiful thing for any of us who recognises that we could do better in this regard is that there are two very simple things to apply today. Super simple. Listen in. Because these are amazing. Firstly, ask God for wisdom. See, James 1 verse 5 is clear. Absolutely, without a hint of doubt, this is as clear as you can get it. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. It's not a maybe, it's not a perhaps, it's not a uh, if you're a good boy or a good girl today. It is a will. Ask. God, here I am, here we are, and we are seeking wisdom. Father, please help us. Please give it to us because we need it. I am human. I'm ordinary and I need your spirit in me to help me become wise. It's as simple as that. A genuine prayer to our God and he says, yep, you got it. I'm not going to find any fault. I'm not going to start telling you what you need to do. I will give it. Beautiful, beautiful. James 1 verse 5. It's one of my favourites. Second, this verse points out that a simple and practical step towards wisdom is simply to shut our mouths. Even a fool like me is considered wise if they are silent.
hope that that awkward silence gave you a moment to think. It was good. I heard uh, um, Kerry Newhoff is one of my favourite podcasters and he spends his life interviewing amazing leaders and he said that quite often when he is in conversation with people in life, he feels like he's interviewing them because we're all about telling people about ourselves that how often do we stop to just listen and just to love. So we have an opportunity now to just listen, to hear God as we worship him. So you can stand or sit. Please be comfortable and rest in God's presence as we worship together. Amen. Uh, last, uh, just before Christmas, I, uh, we, we're putting our heart, we put our house on the market to be sold, and so I had a heap of work to do, uh, tidy up, clean around uh, the front yard, backyard, and you know how it is coming out of winter, uh, almost halfway through summer actually, there's weeds everywhere in my backyard coming up through the pavers, and I was looking at these weeds, and I'm thinking, man, this sucks, I don't want to do this, I, and uh, there's nothing worse than getting on your hands and knees and having to pull weeds. Hands up if you hate doing that job. It's horrible. Uh, And there's one side of the house where the dog Rocky kind of does what he does and there's weeds there as well and there's dog stuff there. Anyway, I'm thinking, how can I make this job easier? There's got to be a way I can do this. There's got to be a quick way of pulling these weeds out. Uh, so I got a friend of mine's, uh, Braden, uh, the youth guy. I borrowed his whippersnipper and I think, I'll just whippersnipper them. You know, even though there's pay, I can do this. Dog poo flying everywhere. And I'm whippersnippering the, the, the weeds and eventually the, the, the cord runs out and you have to play around with the cord and, and you don't get the whole weed out. A day later, the weed's back. And so I spent a whole day trying to whipper them, whippersnipper them. Uh, and then I thought, well, I, I can do this. I can make a, a tool. Uh, I can put something together that's going to help me scrape the, the weeds out. So I got one of those paint scrapers and I gaffer taped it to the end of a broom and, and I'm trying to get the weeds out and it just wasn't doing it quick enough. So I stopped and tried to get it at something else that was sharper, a butter knife or whatever. And I spent the whole day trying to make something to pull the weeds out. Meanwhile, the weeds are just literally looking at me like... <laughs> You're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment to pulling out weeds. And I'm starting to think maybe I could high pressure hose them. Maybe I could get a, 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 a flamethrower or something to get rid of these weeds. And actually, after about four days of looking at these weeds and coming up with different ideas and inventions, it probably would have been quick if I just pulled them out. 
Like if I just spent three hours, knocked it out hard, pulled every single weed out, except I wasted probably three or four days coming up with useless tools, breaking Braden's ripper snipper and uh, not actually getting all the weeds out. I should have just got in there. Hands up if you're a little bit like that. You try to think, how can I make my job a little bit easier, a little bit quicker? And then you actually end up taking more time in doing the actual job that you wanted to do. Here's a quote by uh, this guy here. Uh, he says this, Frank, his name is, don't know who he is. I think he's a, a columnist or cartoonist. He writes, some people will do anything to be able to do nothing. Uh, where you're running around to stop doing something and you, you just flat out in that quest. This morning, I want to talk about laziness. Laziness, being lazy, all right? And maybe this morning, uh, you may be able to relate to some of the points that we're going to look at. You may be lazy if you can relate to some of these images. This first one here, uh, oops, let's go back. Uh, you may be lazy if you've ever done that before, where you're watching TV and you can't even be bothered moving your hands, you just slide it into your mouth. You may be a little bit lazy. You may be lazy if you go to the petrol station, uh, maybe this guy's stealing it, I don't know, uh, where you're out the back and you're filling up your petrol uh, there at Woolworths Petrol to get the four cents off. You may be lazy if you've ever walked your dog like that. If you've stuck your hand out the car, now she may have a medical, he may have a medical condition or might just be flat out lazy. You may be lazy. This guy here is not only lazy, I think he's quite smart. He's got the fake uh, security guard and he's having a bit of a snooze in the back. You didn't notice that. Some people didn't notice that. There you go. So he's obviously doing a good job. You may be lazy. Now we all do this, don't we? We see that the escalators, there's a big line, but we still line up, wait, because we can't be bothered walking up the stairs. We may be late. well, actually, is this lazy or smart? <laughs> Hands up if you think it's lazy. Hands up if you think it's smart. Oh, there you go. He's, he's looking at his phone through the glass table because he couldn't be bothered holding it up. Actually, it is quite smart. Um, you, you, this is, I don't know if this is lazy or smart. Either that or uh, she just ran out of uh, nail polish. Could be smart, saving time. Why do ten toes when you only have to do four? Uh, now this here, this drives me crazy. This drives me absolute crazy. I've never done that. I never do that. Or actually when you go into generally the kids' toilet and there's like ten of these things on the floor... It's like we're going to climb over it to get to the toilet before we actually throw them in the bin. But the next one I'm about to show you is the worst of all. This is biblical laziness on steroids. You would all have experienced, you probably have someone in your family that does this. You may be the person in your family that does this. And it's the, the little, it's not quite empty. It's not quite empty, therefore I do not have to throw it in the rubbish bin. It's, it's plenty there for someone to drink. So let, let me get a show of hands. Hands up if you're the person who does that. I'm actually the person who does that. Oh, come on. We should do truth-telling as well. But this morning we're going to look at laziness. Now, you might be surprised to know that actual uh, laziness is actually a sin. It's a sin. It's that the Bible talks about laziness being a sin, that we shouldn't be lazy. That As Christians, we shouldn't be lazy, but generally, just laziness is a sin. Now, in many ways, in our mind, it's probably what we would refer to as an acceptable sin. 
We might not even have known that it's a sin, but it's an acceptable sin. It's not murdering or lying or, or hurting someone or a sexual sin. It's just laziness. Well, actually, the Bible is quite strong when it comes to the sin of laziness. Roman Catholic theology, you may have heard of the seven deadly sins or the, the seven cardinal sins. It's got uh, pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath or anger. And the, the last one, the seventh sin in the cardinal sins is actually sloth. Sloth. Turn to the person next to you and say sloth. Isn't that a great word? So the only reason I'm doing this proverb is because of that word. Sloth and sluggard. There's two words that we're going to be looking at today. Sloth and sluggard. And when you think of, of sloth, you probably think of this guy here with the Donald Trump hairstyle. Um, they're scary looking animals, aren't they? Hands up if you think they're cute. They're not cute. Look at the nails, they'll rip your face off. It'll, it'll take you about half an hour to get there. But, but when you think of sloth, you think of this animal. And, and maybe there's, I don't know if there is a link because of the, the, the sloth there, the animal is really slow. And that has something to do with the, the word sloth or sluggard. Uh, sloth as a sin, sluggard as a sin. Uh, and we're going to look at this in the book of Proverbs. When you're reading through the book of Proverbs, and this hasn't come out too much in this series, uh, the author Solomon, he's the author who wrote Proverbs, and uh, he has different characters. If you've ever read it, you may have noticed that. There's different characters in the book of Proverbs, and, and he brings these characters in to, to make a point or to highlight or to illustrate a point. There's the wise person, there's the, the foolish person or the fool there's the simple or the simpleton. He's not foolish. He's not wise. He gets blown away by the wind. There's the, the scoffer, someone who's always mocking or scoffing. There's the glutton, someone who's uh, overindulging in, in, in pleasure and, and, and things. There's the miser. I don't know. You don't hear that term very often, do you? A miser is someone who, who, who could be Italian, um, but doesn't like spending their money. Uh, the miser, and then there's the, the the sluggard. The sluggard. Now Solomon refers to the sluggard of the, the the Hebrew word in the book of Proverbs 13 times, and it's either translated sluggard or sloth. Sluggard or sloth. So the the book of uh, Proverbs talks a lot about this. Sluggard or sloth, 13 times mentioned in Proverbs, and then it mentions probably another 15 times about laziness overall. Now, the English word sluggard or sloth indicate this, this slowness of movement, uh, like when you're trying to get a teenager out of bed to go to school. It's really slow. That's kind of sloth night or sluggard. But it also is this habitual unwillingness to work or to exert themselves apathy, laziness, a failure to act on one's talents and abilities. Slugger describes a person, again, who is inactive uh, or lazy. Sloth, meaning uh, there's this concept of not really caring. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. Uh, there's, a, there's an aspect of spiritual apathy. Uh, we've also, and you read through Proverbs, there's a sense uh, that being a sloth or a sluggard is also connected with, with self-pity. Or, or being a victim all the time. Oh, woe is me. Oh, this is so hard. Life is so... And you just kind of stay on, on the couch. But the Bible refers to it, and this is what, the point I want to make, that the sin of laziness is serious. And the reason why the sin of laziness is serious, or to be a sloth or to be a sluggard, is because it leads to other behaviour. 
When you're engaged in nothing, evil, evil behaviour is just around the corner. You may have heard of the term, actually it comes from proverb, uh, Proverbs, idle hands. Idle hands are the what? The devil's workshop, meaning if you're, if you're not busy and you're just kind of bored or you're not doing much, then you're more open to things that may go wrong or you're more open to doing the wrong thing. Here's, here's a quote by Thomas Aquinas, the, the Catholic father, who says, Sloth is a spiritual vice that, that causes a person to forget their religious commitments. Sloth is what keeps us from responding to or even simply keeping the commitments that come with professing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So this is why it's a sin, because it, it stops us living out our full life as a follower of Jesus, and actually it pushes against everything that, that God stands for. In the beginning, in the garden, God actually says, hey, this is, the world is your garden, I want you to work and toil, that work is a good thing. Now let me just clarify here. It, it doesn't, what I'm talking about today, now there's people here who work hard and, and, and they're going to hear this message and they're going to do, try to do it even harder. This isn't saying that there's not a time for rest. This isn't saying there's not a time for enjoyment. This isn't, not, isn't saying that we shouldn't Sabbath or, or reflect and, and pause and recover. That's all good and proper and we need to do that. But this is saying that we are actually designed and created to work, to use our hands, to contribute to be stewards of our time, resources, talents, all that kind of stuff. And if we don't do that, actually, it's, it's, it's sinful to be lazy. It's sinful to be lazy. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. If I was to say to you, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know the two towns, the two cities in, Jeru uh, uh, in the Old Testament, sorry, in Genesis, they were destroyed. God comes down and destroys both of those cities. If I was to say, why were those cities destroyed? Just think to yourself, what were they destroyed? You'd, you'd obviously think the, the sexual uh, sin of the city and God destroys them. Now that was part of it. But look what this verse says in Ezekiel. It says this, look, this was the sin of Sodom. What was the sin of Sodom? She had pride, fullness of food, so that's kind of that gluttony, and abundance of idleness, as in it was lazy. They, didn't, they were just sitting around doing nothing because the idle is, idleness is dangerous. It opens our eyes. Oh, let's, let's try this. You remember the story where Jesus tells the parable of the talents. Jesus says that a master uh, gave uh, three servants Three lots of talents, one five, one two, one one. And he says, I'm going to go away. Uh, I'll, I'll come back and work with those talents, see what happens when I come back. You know this story, don't you? The one that had five worked hard, turned it into ten. The one that had two worked hard and, and turned it into four. The guy that had one, it said he dug a hole and buried it and went off and watched TV in the air conditioning. He was a sluggard. He was a sloth. He was lazy. The story goes on and Jesus said, the, the master comes back and he says, what have you done with your talent? Well done, good and faithful servant to the five. Well done, good and faithful servant to the two. The person with one, what does he say? He actually, he, he says this, he links laziness and wickedness together. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. So there's an aspect of laziness that is wicked and evil. Jesus says, you wicked, lazy servant. Why does he say that? The reason he says it is because to be lazy uh, is to push against God. God regards laziness as selfishness, selfishness, as a rebellion against him. And since he commands us, he says to be fruitful, to be diligent. 
He identifies slothfulness. That's hard to say for someone who has a lisp. Slothfulness as a sin because it's wasting. It's wasting life. It's wasting time. It's wasting things. It's being a poor steward. Life is to be enjoyed and to celebrate it. Life is to be lived and to just go through the motions or not even go through the motions. God says that is sinful. In fact, that is, is wicked. So let's come back to Proverbs. We're going to look at our characteristics of what it means to be a sloth and a sluggard. So everyone's going to walk away at the end of this wanting to run a marathon. Uh, whatever, it may be a physical marathon, it may be a different, a spiritual marathon, but you're going to say, I don't want to be a sloth, I don't want to be a sluggard, I want to live full on lives for Jesus. So let's have a look at uh, Proverbs chapter 6. This is our first little passage, and it gives us a bit of an overview of of, uh, laziness. This is Solomon, he writes this, and he says this, I think this is really cool, he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Say the word sluggard. No, it's sluggard. Say the word sluggard. I don't know if that's how you say it in Hebrew, but but go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. So the author is saying, go and have a look at the ant and you'll know how not to be lazy. Why? The ant has no commander, no overseer, no all ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard, you sloth? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. I don't, I, I don't know if you've ever had ants in your house. You probably have those little black ants in, the, in your kitchen or, or in your cupboard or wherever. They just kind of, they, they just do what they have to do, don't they? Uh, I remember we've had them numerous times in our kitchen. They kind of stay on the outskirts or the boundaries of the kitchen and, and just, they're just working nonstop, night and day. And, and sometimes, I don't know if you've ever kind of, we've sprayed them with, you know, ultraviolet radiation or whatever and they still come back uh, but if you've ever seen how they work in a straight line and sometimes if if you rub your finger there it must it must muck up the scent and you see the ant it kind of stops and now if that was me I'd be like all right smoko let's ha- let's just sit here and wait and see what happens but they don't they look around they communicate with the other man and then they figure out or oh, we'll go around it and then they're off again or sometimes if you uh, put something in the way of the ant uh, what does the ant do? He does the same thing. It looks around. I can't go over it. can't go around. Figures out how it's going to do it, but then it finds another path and it just keeps on going. And the author here, Solomon, says, look at the ant and learn because your, your life is the complete opposite. You're a sloth, you're a sluggard, and you're lazy. So look at this. Let's have a look at the sloth. How do we avoid it? Well, a slothful sluggard, firstly, sleeps too much. Now, this may be hard for some of you. In fact, some of you may need to wake up now to hear this. If you have to wake up now, then you probably do sleep too much. The slothful sluggard sleeps too much. What does the passage say? Uh, it says there, or the different passage, Proverbs 26, 14 says, As the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy person. Move not from his place upon his bed. I think this translation here might be the message. It says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When, when will you get up from your sleep? 
The first passage there, 26, is saying, as a door goes from side to side, so does the sluggard, because they're in bed and they just toss and turn and toss and turn. They keep moving because they're always in bed. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Lazy people turn over in bed, they get no further than doors swinging on its hedges. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? There it is. When will you get up from your sleep? Now, we know that we have to sleep. It's healthy to sleep, but actually you know that you can get too much sleep. Too much sleep is bad for you. Hands up if you think eight hours sleep. Now, we're talking adults. We're not talking children or, or even older aged people. How, how, how eight hours? Is that too much sleep? Hands up if you think that's too much sleep. Hands up if you dream of eight hours sleep. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't for you. You don't have to worry. They say anything, 10 hours, more than 10 hours is dangerous. If you consistently sleep, and again, if you have a medical condition, that may, that's different. I'm not a doctor. I just got this off at sermon.com. But if, if, if you sleep more than 10 hours, the research says you've got a higher chance of dying. And you get that because you're probably you're not moving as much. But too much sleep is actually bad. Um, the other thing is when you sleep, you miss out on things. Have you ever missed out on things just because you, you wanted that little bit more sleep? You want that little bit more sleep, so you sleep and you miss out and you, and you regret it. You're like, man, I wish I went on that, or I wish I got up early to do that. I wish I got up early to go for a run. I wish I got early to do the quiet time, and I just wanted that extra half an hour sleep. What have you missed out on because you have been sleeping? What have you missed out on because you've been sleeping? Now, I remember when I was growing up, the NBA uh, Basketball League, American Basketball League, they used to scream one game a week on a Friday night on Channel 2, and it was on at like 11 o'clock at night, okay? And I always, I, I want to stay up to watch this, okay? I want to stay up to watch it. And it would get to like 10.30, and I was like, come on, hold my eyes, and then all of a sudden I'd wake up and it was 1.30 and the game was over and I didn't even see who played. And I'd be so frustrated. I'm like, oh man, I missed it. Why didn't I miss it? And then we got a VCR and we learned how to record it. And... But, but, but there's things sometimes we miss, good things that we miss, we don't get to be a part of because of sleep. And I mean physical sleep. When's the last time you've seen a sunrise? Those types of things that we miss out on because we're too busy sleeping. Now, we need to get healthy sleep, but also there's things that we miss out on. What is this? Can anyone tell me what this is? The snooze. Isn't that the most annoying noise sometimes? And, and, and you just keep pressing snooze. But the, the issue is here, let me draw the metaphor here, is that we do that in life as well, don't we? We can't be bothered and we think, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later, and we press snooze, snooze, snooze. The alarm goes off. What have we missed out on? What have you missed out on because you've been sleeping? I think it is Psalm 95, or actually Romans, I can't remember where, but it, 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 uh, uh, it, Paul says to the, the people of Roman, uh, Rome, wake up out of your slumber. There's things to do. The time is short. Wake up, you're going to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Get up, wake up. So the first aspect of a sloth or a sluggard is they sleep too much. The second aspect is a slothful sluggard lacks foresight and preparation. We saw it in that passage there with the ants, but look at uh, Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, a sluggard does not plough in the autumn. 
He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So he doesn't do the hard work to plant the, the, the seeds and, and, and wait, uh, water it. He doesn't do any of that. But then when it comes to harvest, he's like, where's the food? There is none because you haven't done the hard work. Now, I want you to relate this to all areas of your life. You might not think, uh, you may not be a sluggard. You may not be a, a lazy person overall. But there may be certain aspect of your life that you are lazy in, that you do need a bit of a kick. To get moving. And so as we're going through this, think all areas, my relationships, my, my children, my, my work, my physical health, my spiritual health. Am I lazy in any of those areas? Am I preparing? Am I putting in the work now to, to, to um, get the harvest, to have the harvest, to have something to eat? I, time and time again, I've said this, I hear it said all the time, I want to be a doctor or, or be a professional, obviously with basketball, we hear it all the time here. I want to be this or I want to, I want to do this. But do you? Do you want to read? I set a goal to read a chunk of books this year. I'm already behind. But I, I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to achieve this. But do you really want to? Are you willing to put in the, the, the work to get the, the, the gratification at the end, the delayed gratification. When I used to be able to eat ice cream, that was, I couldn't wait to eat that. I would leave that, obviously, to the end. I'd eat all my food, the vegetables, stuff, and then dessert. Okay, eat that, and knowing that that's coming. There's, there's putting in the hard work, and if you don't put in the hard work, you don't get to receive it. It's superannuation. Now, there's probably arguments... I'm not a financial expert. There's probably people here that would argue that you should be able to get it now and invest it maybe. And I'm like, give me that money. It's my money. I got one of the, the statements not long ago. I'm like, there was that money there. Siobhan, get it out. We need it now. She's like, yeah, that's for when we, we get older and retire and, and you can't work and I'm off on cruises. That's, that's for that. <laughs> I'm like, I want it now. Now, there's, there's a beautiful thing in that because it's, it's almost, it forces you. And so when you do get to that, there's the harvest. You've got some money to, to be able to live, live your life, to have food, to have all that kind of stuff. But, but, but I want it now. That's what the lazy person does, lacks foresight and preparation. I was reading this little story about a pastor who, who never prepared his sermons during the week. It's not me. And on a Sunday morning, he would sit next to the platform while the church was singing the hymns and the songs, desperately praying, Lord, give me the message for today. Lord, give me your message. Give me, give me your message. One Sunday, while he was desperately praying for God's message, he heard the Lord say, Ralph, here's my message. You're lazy. You're lazy. So often we want the, the reward without the hard work. We want the outcome without the hard work. Richard Baxter, a, a Puritan a preacher and pastor, says tomorrow is always the sluggard's working day. Today is his holiday. Put that on a t-shirt. That, that is a great quote. Tomorrow is always the sluggard's working day. Today is the, the holiday. A Bug's Life, you would have seen that. Hands up if you've seen that movie. I don't know what the difference between this one and, and Ants. Are they similar movies? Anyway. If you don't know the movie, the ants do all the hard work, prepare, get the food ready, and then the big nasty grasshoppers come in because during the summer they're just chilling uh, 
and, and enjoying life, not working, and they come and steal all the food off the ants. Um, now, you may be able to do that, I don't know, but the ants put in the work, don't they? And they receive the reward. Now, thinking ahead in, in different areas of our life, practically work, all that, relationships, if you invest in your relationships now with your children, uh, with your spouse, with your friends, there's a reward later. Time moves quickly by. There's all those types of things. There's the financial aspect of planning for later. But what about eternity? Eternity. Plan for eternity. That's, that's a long time. And Jesus says, what, what do you gain? What does a man profit? What does it profit a man if he, he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? How are you planning for eternity? Have you, have you said yes to Jesus? Have you become a Christian? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Now, we don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about that kind of stuff. That's ages away. But is it? It goes like that. And where we spend eternity has to do with the decisions we make here now, in the here and now. And so are we planning for eternity? Or do we just push it aside? Oh, I won't worry about that. That'll, I'll worry about that later. A slothful sluggard lacks foresight and preparation. A slothful sluggard loves to make excuses, yes? Look at this passage. This is a great excuse. I've never heard anyone use this as an excuse. The sluggard says, there's a line outside. I'll be killed in the public square. And there, there's an aspect that there may be lines outside, but it's like, you're probably not going to get, Anthony, you're probably not going to get eaten by a shark. <laughs> but we, there's just random excuses. We make excuses all the time, don't we? I can't do this because it's too hot. I can't do this because I'm too short. I can't do this because I'm not getting paid enough. Or I can't do this because I'm not smart enough. Or I can't do this because I'm tired. And in many ways, why do we make those excuses is because we want to we feel comfortable with the fact that we're not doing anything. A sluggard, a sloth always makes excuses. Makes excuses, any excuse. Um, the, the issue is, when we make those excuses, we, we see that uh, being lazy actually makes our life harder. That when we're lazy, it's actually harder. It's like the weeding. If I just got in there and did it, it would have been done and finished within a few hours. And look at this principle. We see this here again in Proverbs. Uh, Solomon says, the way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns. Actually, their life can be quite hard because they're so lazy. It's like walking through thorns, but the path of the upright is, is a level highway. So even though we, we think being lazy, life can be easy, but actually you're just making your life harder. What excuses are you making? I make excuses all the time why I can't do a quiet time or why I can't spend as much time with my wife or, or why I miss my children's activities. Or I make excuses all the time. I was, I was mentioning to a friend that I was preaching on laziness this week and, and we kind of went through some of the stuff and, and he said, you know what, Anthony, there was a, last night my kids went off to bed went into bed and, and my wife tucked him in and gave him a kiss and I was lying on the couch. I can't remember his, where he was on the computer. And I, what I was doing wasn't overly important and I had this little thought, I should go and just kiss them goodnight. But instead I just said, ah, oh, goodnight, have a good sleep. Now, didn't think much of it, but when, but when we reflected on, on how time moves by quickly, 
that we can invest in our relationships, we're not always going to be able to kiss our children goodnight or whatever the, the situation may be. That, that little action to get up and do that is, is, is a huge thing in the future. And so uh, a slothful sluggard loves to make excuses. What excuses are you making? Is it hot? <laughs> not tall enough? All these types of things. We make excuses all the time. Don't have enough money, not smart enough. What excuses are you making? What excuses are you making with your spiritual life? A slothful sluggard makes excuses. A slothful sluggard, I'm going to spit on everyone soon, has a know-it-all attitude. A slothful sluggard or someone who is lazy is not teachable. I know it all. Proverbs 26.16 says this, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. The message's uh, translation puts it like this. Dreamers fantasise their self-importance. They think they are smarter than a whole college faculty. That people who, who are lazy and generally haven't done anything like to tell everyone how to do it or how they would have done it or how they would do it. They don't like to receive feedback. They're not very teachable. Um, a slothful sluggard has a know-it-all attitude. Here's another one here. Uh, a hard work always pays off. Mere talk, uh, mere talk puts no bread on the table. Generally, a slothful sluggard or someone who's like lots of talk, lots of words, but maybe not as much action. Maybe not as much action. Next one here. Uh, this one will be interesting. I'll ask you a question about this one in a second. A slothful sluggard... Are irritating to everyone around them, aren't they? Because every time when we're looking at this, we're not the one who's slothful and a sluggard. It's everyone else. Well, that's how I was when I was preparing it. Um, look, at, look at this verse here. A lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth or smoke to the eyes. People who are sluggards or a sloth it's like smoke in your eyes, it hurts, or vinegar, it's, oh, it's sour. And, and so the, you don't like working with them. You don't like working with them. They're unreliable. They can't be relied on. They never finish the task, they never ta start the task. They let people down. What's it like, just think about this, what's it like working with someone like this? What's your automatic reaction when you know if you're in a work situation or a school with friends or a group assignment, you know that person's lazy and you know that you have to, you don't, you don't want them on your team, do you? Because you're like, I'm going to have to do it all or they're not going to be reliable, they can't be counted upon. Maybe you're a little bit like that. And what happens is people don't want you on your team because you can't be relied upon. You can't be relied upon. Now, as a Christian... That, sh that shouldn't be our witness. As a Christian, our witness should be that we, should be, we can be relied on. Our yes is yes, that we do work, we do help, that we can be trusted, that we do start things and we finish things. doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, but people can trust us to, to, to get the job done. That actually reflects poorly on your Christian witness if people think, oh man, it's like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to my eyes working with that person. They just, they're just lazy. Look at this passage here in um, 
Colossians, Paul says, whatever you do, this is the amplified version, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul, meaning give it all your heart and soul, give it all your effort. That is, put in your, your very best effort in whatever you're doing. You should be doing it with all your strength as something done for the Lord, not for men. So actually our mindset, our attitude is, I'm not doing this for my employer or my boss or, or, or anything. I'm doing it because I'm working for God and I'm going to do it with my, my, my best ability and my hardest effort. When we don't do that, it actually is a bad witness to Jesus. A slothful sluggard are uh, irritating to everyone around them. The other uh, aspect is a slothful sluggard has no e- internal motivation. <laughs> this is another a great little passage. It says, The sluggard puts his hand in his food, but lacks the motivation to get it to his face. So it's just like, all right, oh, no, I can't be bothered. And <laughs> it's kind of saying that uh, they will, uh, lazy people or sloths won't start things. And if they do finally get the gusto to get something started, they won't finish it. There's no eternal, internal motivation. And I think what Solomon is also saying, now remember Solomon was loaded. He was kind of like, who's loaded? Clive Palmer? No, not Clive Palmer. Uh, anyway, someone really, really rich. Now, he, he, he did a lot of stuff to get that wealth. And it's almost like he's writing this as wisdom to the next generation who have already got the wealth without having to work for it. So sometimes, and we, we're benefits of that. We live in a beautiful country where we've got healthcare and education. We've got things that we didn't actually necessarily have to work to get. And it's very easy for us to become lazy, to become a, a slug and a thing. Uh. And it's like Solomon is, is rewind, reminding, hey, no, don't do that. Be wise, work hard, don't be slothful, don't be sluggard. Start things, finish things. Um, The sluggard puts his hand in his food but lacks the motivation to get it to his face. So how do we push against this? Maybe you can relate to one of those. Maybe you can relate to a few of them. Maybe you can relate to one or two in one specific area of your life. Maybe it is your relationships. Maybe it is your spiritual life. Maybe it is your physical health. Maybe it's your work life. Maybe it's around your house, but you can relate to that and you think, all right, this is something that I need to take serious because the Bible says, God says that being lazy is, is sinful. So look at, let's quickly look at three ways to push against it. The first one is don't quit. Very simple. Simple in, as in to say it, don't quit. It's two words. Um, but, but maybe not as simple to apply it. So often, you, you, you know, when I was weeding, I went out there, I put my, my sun cream on and, and my 50 plus over my bald head, I put my hat, I started pulling out one, I'm like, oh, I'm done. This pavement's hot. And I looked at it and I was like, there's too many. I can't do this. Don't quit, just keep chipping away. And maybe you feel like that right now. Maybe you've started a task. Maybe you haven't started a task. Don't quit. Start the task. Time and time again throughout the scriptures, one of the, God's favourite words throughout the scriptures is to persevere, to keep on pushing, knowing that he's beside us, but, but we don't quit. We keep on working, we keep on moving forward. The second thing is this, do everything for the glory of God. Have that mindset that I'm not here just to feel my own pleasures or to be comfortable, but actually I do everything for the glory of God. Whether, you know, whether you're preaching in front of 10,000 people 
or taking the dog for a walk. The, the Bible actually has a, a, a concept that that's all the same. Now you might find that hard to believe, but we, we do everything for the glory of God. Look at this passage here. Everything, whether you eat or drink. How do you eat and drink for the glory of God? Don't know. Think about it. Go out to a buffet and just, I'm going to eat and drink for the glory of God. Or whatever you do, he's saying everything in life we do for the glory of God. We give it 100%. Don't be lazy, don't be sluggards. Colossians 3, 17 is again very similar. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So do everything. Remember our lives are not just about us, but they're about God. And uh, we live out, the way we live our lives, how we live our lives matter. And the third bit, I think this is, obviously they're two very important ones, but I think if we can have this mindset It helps us not to be lazy. And the third one is learn to value time. Time is what? What's the saying? There's a value to time. It's it's fine. We've only got a certain amount. We've only got so much in our pockets and we want to use it wisely. We want to use it properly. Time is one of the life's most valuable resources. We don't view time like that, do we? Generally, we just go through life and then, whoa, holy moly, I'm 45 and got no hair. It just moves. We need, to, we need to value time. It is. It's important. It's a valuable resource. It's a, a treasure which is limited and fleeting. And once it's spent, it's gone. So if I get to the end of this year and I haven't read those books that I wanted to read, that's it. I can't go back. Now, I can, there's always a fresh start, but I can't go back. But it's great because I watched 28 seasons of Home and Away. <laughs> it's valuable. Time is valuable. Don't. We need to learn to value time. Look at this passage here. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Some translations say the time that you have. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Basically, it's saying uh, be wise in the way you spend your time. So do a time audit. Not, not the ones that lawyers do every six minutes. <laughs> but maybe every 15, maybe every hour, what have you done? Just do it for a couple of days. How much? 168 hours in a week. Do a time audit. How much time am I sleeping? How much time am I resting? How much TV am I watching? How much time am I on social media, on my computer? How much uh, time am I spending spiritually, whether it's reading the Bible or praying or conversations or TV? Or how much time am I working? How much exercise? How much time do I do? Do a time audit. You might be like, man, I've got to spend less time on the toilet. It's like 12 hours or whatever. I need to spend more time exercising. I need to spend less time watching TV. I need to spend more time here. You don't know unless you do a bit of a time order and say, this is what this verse is saying. Be wise. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your time? The results may actually shock you uh, and then use that information to to live out this passage. Here's another verse here in, in Psalm 90, the days of our years are three score years and ten. Uh, and if by reason of strength they be forced, so if you get to live a little bit long, longer, it is their strength, labour and sorrow, for it 
is soon cut off and fly away. So teach us to number our days. We don't like this as much, do we? That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Basically saying life, you only get a lot of time. Life moves quickly by. Live it to the full. Live it wisely. Live for God. Live for Jesus. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Here's an example. This little chunky monkey is my firstborn. She's so cute. I don't know what happened. No, she's still very cute. She's a little bubba. I can still remember coming home from the hospital. Gee, it was a hard labour. I slaved it out. (laughs) Spent the week in hospital. Beautiful food and foxtail. And then we came home to a screaming, nah, there she is. And then she grew up a little bit, and that's her there. Um, it seems like yesterday. I don't know if she's in the, she's over there. Sorry, I've embarrassed her. Give her a kiss on the way out. She'll love that. But time moves. Now, you, can prob- you may be able to relate this if you have your own children or maybe you feel. Time just goes. We want to invest. We don't want to waste. We don't want to be passive. Time moves quickly by in our relationships, our work, our spiritual lives. We've got to make sure we're we're putting in the time and effort. There's going to be a time where that little baby there, she keeps reminding me that she will leave the house. If she had it her way, it'd be now. (laughs) But there will be a time. And she'll go off and do her own and start her life and her own family or whatever, her own things. And that doesn't mean I don't stop being a dad. I still be a dad. But that period of life is gone. That time of influence has moved. Time moves quickly, doesn't it? How are we investing our time? Where are we uh, putting our, our, our resources? Are we being sluggards or a sloth? Are we being lazy in different aspects? Maybe not our whole life and not just sitting on the couch, but maybe we do need to invest some time in our relationships. Maybe it's our physical health. Maybe it's our spiritual health. Maybe it's just working a little bit harder across all the board, across all areas. Don't quit. Remember it's for God's glory and learn the value of time. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am not a sloth. I heard a few people say, but you are. (laughs) Let's pray. Most gracious Father, thank you for your word in Proverbs. Lots of practical stuff, Lord. We we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, uh, it's pretty clear that your Bible, your word says that we are not to be lazy. That actually when we are lazy, we are wasting life. We are wasting the gift that you have given us. And in fact, we're being disobedient to you. Father, it's easy. I know there's times where we just can't be bothered. And Lord, and you're a good God. You allow us rest. You allow us time to recover. But you don't want us to be lazy. Help us to be people here as as your followers, as Christians, to to be a good witness, to be people who are productive, to be people who live life to the full, to be people who just work hard in all areas, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, 
our day-to-day works, maybe we, uh, whether we be working at Woolworths or whether we be a school teacher, whether we be a nurse, whatever, whatever we do, we do it for your glory. Father, if there's anyone here this, uh, this morning who's just kind of struggling in an area right now, Lord, may they hear your word that says, do not quit, do not quit, do not quit, keep moving, get up and get started, come out of your sleep and slumber. Lord, may they be reminded that it's for your glory and therefore that your spirit is there to help. And Father, may we all have an internal, or a, sorry, an, an eternal perspective where we value time. We know it's a valuable resource. May we live it for you and may we live it full on for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.